Welcome to the Second Life Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Corcoran. What's up, Matt? How you doing? Hey, Zach. What's happening, brother? Hey, so we've never met before, uh, minus oh. through social media. So this is pretty cool. This is rad, man. I know. I think we were chatting a little bit before the show and and uh, even before now, just talking about how easily connected people get, especially everyone who's out there doing skate ministry, how easy it is to connect and just kind of jump in there like you've been just skating a day ago or something, you know? Yeah, it feels like we've met before. Like we like each other's posts all the time. And <laughs> I feel like it's been like maybe two years that we've been following each other. We just never met. I think so, man. Just like, yeah, that you and like a lot of other people that I know now, it's just, I think through other skate ministries, through other Christian skaters, you just kind of end up following the same people, which is cool, man. It's a, it's a cool little community. Yeah, I would have to agree. So you're, um, I'm talking to you and you are in California right now and I'm in, I'm in Ohio. So what part of California are you in? I'm down in Southern California. So, so I grew up, I'm a Northern California guy. So I grew up in North California, lived there for about 24, 25 years. Okay. Uh, and just a little town outside of uh, San Francisco, California. So about an hour, hour and a half inland from San Francisco. I'm not too far from Oakland, not too far from Stockton. Okay. Best parts of California took completely being, sarcastic i know i grew up around some of the worst <laughs> parts of california the highest murder rates and everything but but oh man by the grace of god i made it down to southern california i live in sunny uh southern su sunny southern california a little town called uh, ladera ranch okay and in spanish that means hillside ranch <laughs> if you wow. guys are wondering well thanks so for it, clearing that up <laughs> yeah you know i know a lot of people are like what does ladera mean i know i know when i moved here i'm like i better find out what that means uh but yeah so basically it is a little bit inland only by like 15 minutes from san clemente okay. san clemente you, a lot of people probably recognize it it's where ryan sheckler lives mm -hmm. um he's got a skate park there Nigel houston he has a skate park there wow uh, grayson fletcher's from there san clemente's got a bunch of rippers over there so not not too far from there dang that's i had no idea that's how close you were and i'm a little jealous to be honest i saw i was taking my son to therapy the other day and there's like this back road that kind of connects like my town to san clemente and mm -hmm. yes just saw sheckler uh blasting through the road on his uh his big old truck he's got so oh my gosh wow yeah. even smaller world to just run into someone like him i mean he's yeah, even man. like he's gotten bigger than skateboarding in some ways. Like at one point he was on MTV and whatnot. So in some ways you ran into a celebrity. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So um, you grew up in Northern California and you said it's kind of like a rough area. Yeah. Yeah. So grew up in, um, you know, my town was real small when I grew up. The town's called Tracy, California. When my parents moved there, oh man, back in like 82, 83, there's probably only about like 12,000 people there. Okay. And then since it's so close to the Bay Area, you know, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose, um, developers just, developers basically just vomited houses <laughs> into my small little town and houses just popped up everywhere. So you had understaffed uh, police departments, 
Mm. He had a lot of uh, a lot of crime coming in there because it was it was cheaper to live there than those surrounding areas in the Bay Area because you know that's where all the jobs are. And so my town got ghetto real quick. You know, wow. so the, we have the dual prison over there, and that's where uh, the Nordenio gang came out of. So like my town actually like started a giant gang. Um, like that's pretty pretty rough. And so that's. So we had those guys and then we had some of the gangs from Oakland and yeah, it just kind of seeped in there and uh, it got, it got pretty sketchy real quick. <laughs> what was that like growing up there? Like, were you ever scared of your surroundings or was it just, just normal being in that kind of an area? Like when my front door handle was moving and my mom grabbed the, the gun. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. Yeah, man, it was, it was a little, Dang. it was a little wild. So yeah, you know um, it, it was, I'm a, I'm a weird breed, man, of like growing up in the small farm town and experiencing that small town feel where you know everyone. And then that quickly transitioning into not learning not to pull up at a stoplight next to someone because you don't want them to catch eyes with you. Because if you, if you know, it's a gang member and they catch eyes with you, they're going to start following you, start messing with you just because that's what they do, you know, and then, you know, having, you know, bunch of like uh carjackings um you know home invasions in the in the town um you know you can't just walk out at night you know there's definitely you see groups of people you definitely avoid them uh you know so it, it went it went to that pretty quick for the most part I felt safe though you know like it was towards the end of high school when all that stuff got really bad okay. but I mean as far I mean I would see a fight in middle school probably at least two a week high school you know, that same thing, like one or two a week. And, and, and we're talking about like a gang fight, like the Mexicans versus, versus the Indian gang going at it with, with aluminum baseball bats. So Jeez, it, it got, it got kind of gnarly. And, uh, you know, that, that anxiety, it, did, it created anxiety for sure. Um, you know, and it took a while to shed that anxiety off because I would be around, going around town and catch eyes with someone and, you know, you can't just cower down. You gotta, you know, if you cower down, they're going to go after you. So I, I, you know, I got in a lot of defensive fights, not, not like me provoking people, but right. a lot of defensive fights, just trying to get out of things. I could talk my way out of things pretty good, just from learning from that, from that environment. Uh, I was a minority too, uh, in like my middle school and high school, which, which is good. I mean, it was a very diverse environment. Mm -hmm. It was really cool to see all the cultures and, um, so yeah, I learned a lot from, from just different cultures. Like, like people would wonder like why me, this white Irish guy would have anything to do with a lowrider bike being in his garage. And that's just because the area I grew up in, a lot of my friends, you know, had the Hispanic, um, you know, roots and they had lowriders and stuff like that. So <laughs> that's something people are like, why is this guy? I'm probably the only guy in my neighborhood that has a lowrider bike. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wow. All right. So were you an only, like an only child growing up or did you have siblings at all? Yeah. So I was only a child for about seven years and, um, you know, just me and my mom, my dad, uh, love my mom and dad. Great, you know, great parents. Um, you know, they're still married to this day. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it was just me up until around the age of seven. And so around the age of seven, my parents gave birth to my brother named Tyler. And uh, it, it's kind of a story um, that could really be made into a movie, man. So Tyler was born and he, um, 
he passed away probably, I want to say like almost a month after being born. So they, they were able to bring him home. My and gosh. then he got this infection around the umbilical cord. And then they had to take him back to the hospital where he um, got some treatment and ended up passing. Um, the story is really gnarly. I mean, I, I won't go too much into it, but um, there's a lot of like foul play on the hospital's part where, um, you know, some stuff was found out about, you know, how they handled him, um, why that infection formed. And, you know, my parents sought out, you know, some legal help and the uh, doctor um, just basically beat town, like left town. And the attorney that was going to represent my parents just one day was like, you know what, like, I don't think you have a case. So he went from saying you have a case to you don't have a case. So we think there is some like payoff going on there wow. uh, on the doctor's end. And, and, and it gets gnarlier, man. And, and you know, kind of like for the respect of like my, my mother, like I won't go too into it, but dude, it yeah. was like gnarly, lots of foul play. Um, just, it really showed the evil that is in people's hearts. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, going, so seeing that as a kid, I didn't know all that stuff. I just knew that, you know, I had a brother and he, and he passed. And, and that was gnarly because at the age of seven, you're just kind of like, like, oh, dude, like, where'd my, where'd my brother go? I, like, you know, he's here one day, he's gone the other. Your concept of <clears throat> the afterlife and even a God at that point, it's, you're young, you know, it's really hard to understand that stuff. And so that's when, you know, I kind of like first got kind of introduced to God and Jesus and faith, heaven and all that stuff, because I was you know, my mom would uh, take lots of confidence in her faith mm. during that time, lo losing her son. And so I remember her reading the Bible, we'd go to church, you know, she'd be crying there and stuff. And just, you know, she'd give, give me a little Bible. Um, and, uh, you know, I would just kind of hold it and know that there was some sort of comfort in that Bible. I didn't know exactly everything about that Bible, but I knew from what my mom told me that it was God's word. And that brought me comfort you know, having that Bible. And she, it was one of those little precious moments, Bibles. I'm sure lots of kids grew up having those little, little ones. Um, so that was kind of an intro to, you know, knowing about faith and seeing someone rely on the Lord for comfort through something so heavy. So were they Christians before all that happened or did they come to faith through that experience? They were. Yeah. So, so, so my dad, so I, I'll say no, because he grew up Catholic. Okay. Um, and, you know, he, like a lot of Catholics, like couldn't just keep up with the ritualistic, like going to service and, and doing all that stuff. And so no, so he wasn't, yeah, he wasn't like following the Lord or anything like that. Um, my mom was, so my mom grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, mm. um, not too far from you. I know we have that area kind of in common, I uh, spent a lot of time there as a kid, seeing my grandparents, and you could probably tell I, I've been there a few times, by the way, I said Louisville. Yeah, yeah, there we go. You said it right. <laughs> it's not Louisville. It's not Louisville. It's Louisville. So, yeah. but I, but yeah, so my mom grew up in, in uh, like Christian churches there, which are pretty traditional. Mm -hmm. um, and so she, she had, you know, she was a Christian. And then it was kind of like when my brother passed, like, you know, my dad started um, going to church with my mom. And, and became saved and all that. I remember seeing him get baptized and stuff. Now that, that was really cool. Um, and again, at that time, I didn't really know. I didn't really know like what, like what all that meant too much. Mm -hmm. I just knew that like they believed in this God that, 
that that lives in heaven. That's kind of all I knew. As I can relate as, to that as a seven year old, right? There's only so much your seven year old brain can uh, can comprehend. But but yeah, so that's that's who they were, you know. And they started taking me to church like when I was younger, and uh, you know, just because of my mom's upbringing in in Kentucky, like you know, we'd go to these like you know Baptist churches, we'd go to like church uh, a Church of Christ, and it was just so boring, dude. Like so boring. Like not hating on anyone out there, yeah, I but get those it. those services are they're very boring it's like hymns kind of dry um, yes yeah, very dry and you know you know and and then um so it's not not really fun for me to go um then as i got older like going to like middle school um my mom would really encourage me to go to church and things like that and i would go and and i think even from the age of 7 I told myself, like, I believe in a God, right? Like, I believe yeah. there's God, and I took comfort in that. But I didn't officially, like, you know, commit my life to following Jesus or ask Jesus in my heart. I didn't I didn't do anything like that. And, uh, you know, then I started going to youth group and stuff like that with other kids my age. And, um, you know, the church that we went to, you know, because my town was still small at that time, uh, I saw a lot of the – so what I saw from, from Christians – based on that church that I went to, I saw the Christians that almost used Christianity as their comfort zone. Yeah. So they didn't use Christianity to love on people and go out and preach the gospel and be accepting of others and welcome them in so they could hear the gospel to, to hear about Jesus. I just saw a lot of, you know, uh, people that were like, we don't like what's going on in the world. We don't want to associate the in the world so we're just going to close ourselves off in this little christian box and only hang out with our christian friends and so i saw that and i saw kind of the chaos that kind of went on within that you know because us as christians we know that you know just because we're christian we're not we're not like perfect you know we still mess up but the message that they relayed to me was we don't associate with other people because we're christians and we're better and we're going to stay in our little box but we're still going to be dysfunctional within our little box. Yeah. So that's what I saw. And it wasn't very attractive to me, you know, like they made it seem like to me, like you need to be perfect to be a Christian. And I'm thinking, well, I can't be perfect, which that's what we should be thinking. But then I would see the people mess up and I'm like, well, this is too confusing. I don't want to be like these guys. So I, I didn't really, I didn't really think too much more into my, my faith at, at that point at all. Um, so, and then that led just kind of going through middle school, high school, uh, still believing. I told myself, oh, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus, but not walking with Jesus at all. Not trying to read the Bible, not really praying. You know, I think I would do a lot of the, the genie prayers, you know, like, hey, God, like, give me, here's this cool car I want. Like, please, yeah. can I have the car, you know, stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. I didn't understand that relationship. I didn't have a relationship with Jesus that we're, you know, that we, we should have as Christians. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can relate to that. Uh, I feel like a lot of people go through that, that stage of life. Um, I don't think it always takes crazy events to happen, but I think people reach a point where um, they realize like saying you follow God doesn't do anything. And uh, especially with the right group around them, showing a good example, like you end up kind of figuring that out. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, you know, and like, 
people that are are listening now if you're a christian or you're not a christian whatever stage you may end up down the line my plea to you would be like don't put your faith in people right because mm-hmm. you know i've had people tell me well i don't believe in god because if god was so good the example would be the christian the christian would be this perfect person and if they could be perfect then i'll know there's a god well sorry you know the, <laughs> jesus said that there's not one man that's perfect right we all fall short of god's glory yeah right we're, we're, we can't compare to god's perfectness uh you know pastor greg lowry down here he says heaven is not filled with perfect people it's filled with forgiven people and is that, and is that a, a calvary chapel pastor? he is a, a harvest oh harvest. okay awesome guy yeah awesome guy and and so you know, so that, that's what I would like really tell people. And, and that's, you know, what I try to do, like in, in my own ministry, just to really break a lot of the stereotypes that, uh, I, that I had. And I know mm-hmm. that other people have about the church, um, because just like anything, I mean, whether it's like people who identify with the, the president or the old president, like there's this stereotype that everyone kind of puts on, you know, that, you know, whoever follows who, right. and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm hoping to really, really break that, you know, because basically like Christ is Christ has kind of been misrepresented for a long time <laughs> and people pay attention to that stuff. And I think it pushes people away from wanting to actually find out what being a Christ follower is, is actually all about. Yeah, I'm not sure why that is, but it just seems like if there's a, a hint of imperfection or wrongdoing, like with a certain influencing type of person you just kind of get lumped in with all that negativity and then it like you feel like you can't even gain any traction with anyone who believes against it you know right 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 yeah yeah and so you know being a christ follower it's all about sanctification you know the process of becoming more christ-like mm-hmm. you know so i've gone through my own journey of you know being a, a, a Christian and, and, you know, going to church and stuff, but then still doing a whole bunch of other stuff I probably shouldn't have been doing. Right. And then, and then, you know, getting discernment, you know, cause when we're a Christ follower and we're, we're like in the Bible and really learning from the Bible, you know, um, God puts his spirit in us and we get discernment from that, you know? So like, it's really impossible to, to just tell someone like, Hey, you need to be a Christian and you need to stop doing this, this, and this, and that, you know, cause you're going to stop doing those things that you probably shouldn't doing shouldn't be doing when the Holy Spirit convicts you of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's when I stopped doing a lot of stuff that I used to do was because the more I was in the word, in the Bible, the more I was praying, the better relationship I had with, with Christ. And I'd get this discernment saying like, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to hang out with this crew of people right now. Um, or I know they're going to go out a little later and hang out more. Uh, I, I don't really feel right about that. Um, and it's not like you're hating on them. It's not like you're judging on them. It's just, you know, you're making a decision to maybe not go down some, some avenue that's going to get you in trouble. Yeah. So, so you are a big skateboarder, which is, you know, again, from the very beginning of the podcast, we made that known. Yeah. That's how, that's how we know each other. Does skateboarding play any part in your testimony or is that just something that you did before you got saved and it's carried over into what you do now? Yeah. Perfect timing, man. It's like a perfect, perfect spot for me to kind of like lead into that. Um, because yeah, yeah, skateboarding hundred percent, you know, skateboarding was a part of my life in, you know, end of middle school when I was about 15, basically up to now. Um, and, and, and again, it's a perfect spot to talk about that because, you know, I wasn't walking with the Lord, um, 
I was in high school skating um, and then, you know, got into college, still wasn't walking with the Lord. Um, but like to kind of go into, so I'll go into skating and then I'll kind of lead how like, you know, I skating kind of led to me being saved again. Well, not saved again, but actually saved yeah, was yeah. so skating started at middle school uh, and, you know, really got into it in high school, just really started hitting skating hard. Um, I actually, <laughs> I think I mentioned this to a couple people. So Zoomies used to be a pretty rad skate shop. They used to carry just core skate brands. They were a smaller store. Each store had uh, like a team. And so I, I worked at Zoomies and I mean, like people probably think I'm crazy, but like, I think they're getting better nowadays, but they had like, it was the best skate shop. I mean, they had every product you could want, every, you know, relevant skate shirt brand and now it's like a little different like it's a lot of street clothing and all that stuff mixed in there but this was like purely a a skate shop and so I I worked there um and I was just like hustling boards putting boards together like all day long I loved it and then um they started up their team and so I sent my manager a little skate video I made and at that time it was just me just hucking myself off staircases back when back when I could handle that stuff and so yeah they put me on that little team um which was really cool I, I still have my hat from uh, Zoomies they had a logo that looked like the Metallica logo but it said Zoomies it was really cool so I have that and I thought that was cool I mean that lasted just for a little while um because they wanted the team to start competing and for me, that just made skateboarding work. And uh, I just wasn't about that because skateboarding was always that escape for me. So as I explained how my town kind of got a little rough um, and I would see those fights, I would kind of cope with that stuff by skating because skating is extremely aggressive. It's very destructive and it's like hard impact, high speed. And so that just allowed me to get all that anxiety, that aggression out uh, and just put it towards something productive. That's so, so, cool. so that's how, and, and I'm sure I know everyone who's listening, they're probably like, yeah, amen. Like that's, that's how I feel too. Cause yeah, it's just such a good outlet for that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, I never did. I never got into drinking or drugs. Um, I know some people have that, that history in their testimony, but, but not me. Um, you know, my parents were always around and, uh, I think that was one thing that, you know, I knew I could never walk into the house being under the influence or anything like that. But I, I wasn't even too attracted to do that stuff anyways. I just love skateboarding so much and uh, I, I didn't need to add anything to it. It was just good the way it was. And, um, you know, so for me that, that kept me away from it. I remember I'd be like the last guy skating our little like spot in town with a bunch of ledges and like my buddies would be off, like sitting on a bench, like smoking pot, and I just still be skating. Um, and a lot of them that just like ended up going down a really bad route, but skateboarding was definitely like a little saving force for me, um, kept me out of all that. And that was, that was through high school. And then, uh, through, and then I got into college and, um, I did community college for like, you know, three years, took my time. I did some undergrad work and then I did, um, a uh, three-year graduate program. So I'm a have a master's in counseling psychology, and I added some coursework to that to be a behavior analyst. Dang. And so, um, you know, psychology could get kind of weird, but 
basically what I'm trained in is cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's simply talking to people and understanding their behavior. That's all it is, you know, and wow. it's a lot of Christian counselors use cognitive, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, again, it's like nothing weird. People could get definitely weird with psychology, but uh, it's simply just like understanding the way you're thinking about things and maybe coming up with some alternative thinking. So it's very accepting of like the Christian faith because you can incorporate some of your new thoughts um, into your mindset to relate to the Bible. Mm. Um, so, so that's what I'm trained in. And then, um, and, and so, yeah, currently right now I work with kids with special needs. I've been doing that for like 11 years. Okay. Um, but that's, that's where my, my school got me to. But during that time of going into college, uh, I got to this point where, so into high school, going into college, um, I had a lot of going back to my brother passing. I had a lot of, uh, uh, fear of loss during that time, because when my brother passed, he just disappeared. Yeah. I would go to school in elementary school, fearful of what would happen when I was there. I thought my mom would just disappear and die like my brother did or my dad. <clears throat> and my dad was a, he was like a tire guy, a mechanic. So he'd be out real late working on, working on cars and, you know, fixing truck tires and stuff like that. So I remember like being up at night, like waiting on the phone like, dad, are you home yet? Just worried what would happen to them. <clears throat> and so I had a lot of separation anxiety uh, around people. And so I took a lot of, I really searched for, for my identity and comfort in relationships with girlfriends. Mm. And so I would pour a lot of myself into those relationships with girlfriends. And I got my self-worth from those girlfriends too, you know? So like if they couldn't hang, hang out or something like that, I was devastated. Like my whole self-worth was just shot down. Wow. And so that kind of led to just me staying in like long relationships, like four years at a time, taking abuse from, you know, girls that, you know, like I hope they're well now, but like girls that I should not have been really associating with and just this abuse that I was taking, just, you know, psychological and just you know, them just not really treating me that great. You know, I was like cheated on and stuff like that. Just putting up with that kind of stuff. I would do that just because I'm like, oh, like this girl, like I have to be right with her because <clears throat> that's where my self-worth is. So I had that going on and that just led to just anxiety and feeling depressed, you know, because that stuff doesn't lift you up. You know, when I, when you don't have identity, your own identity, <clears throat> you know, or your own self-worth, outside of someone else and you just rely on someone to be your your hope <laughs> like that's going to get you down really quick mm -hmm. so so I had that going on um through college and and up to the point where like I would even let the relationships change who I was so I let like the relationship that I had in college uh stop me from skating I stopped skating I, I dressed like a nerd um <laughs> like a jock kind of I, I started like wearing like jock stuff and and it just it just wasn't me you know and um you know and then you know getting into a graduate program something that I really wanted to do um you know in my mind I had gotten out of my small town and I and, and in my mind I had, I had quote unquote made it and here I am, like not a lot of people get out of my hometown, but here I am, I, I moved down to Southern California, going to Long Beach State. And in my mind, I'm thinking when I'm done with this program, this graduate program, 
that's it. I'm, ha- I'm going to be happy. I've achieved my goal, you know? And, and at that time I had a, I you know, had a real nice car. I'm like, well, I got the car. I've got a girlfriend and I just need my, my degree. And then that's it. I'm going to be fulfilled. I'm going to be happy. And I mean, going up to like through that time, getting my degree, like I, I wasn't too happy. You know, the relationship that I was in was really bad. And, uh, you know, I was just letting this really, really liberal education. Uh, it was a good education, but there's a lot of like liberal elements in it. Just, I let that change all my beliefs. It changed who I was. I was just a completely different person um, because I was just simply bowing down to anything that would help me um, just do well in school and get to that getting my degree. Right. And I was willing to basically like sell my soul just to agree with anyone there just to finish up school and, and achieve my end goal. And, uh, you know, I finished up school and I'm like, okay, so I reached my goal. And in my mind, I'm thinking when I'm done with all that, I'm going to be happy. And I, I wasn't, I was in the same spot. I was stuck with the same girlfriend that was messed up. (laughs) You know, I was, you know, finding myself needing to find a job now. And it was really hard to find a job right away from what I learned with, with my degree. And I'm just like, man, like what, like where, where, like where's, where's my hope? Like, like what's my hope? And then I got out of that relationship and then I was a, a single guy. I was a bachelor now. I was a, a bachelor with a good job, living on my own, got my own place. And then that just led again into seeking out relationships for uh, self-worth. And after a failed relationship, after a failed relationship, I was just like one night, just like super hopeless, dude. I'm like, man, I've got a good job. I've got my own little place in a nice town where I never thought I would live in my life. And I just like, I keep dating these girls and I'm thinking that they're going to bring me some sort of fulfillment and self-worth. And I'm just like, it's not happening. Like there's gotta be more. And, uh, I just remember thinking like, I got, I've got to, I've got like church. There was something there. Right. Cause seeds get planted, right? If we share our testimony with someone, someone shares about Jesus and stuff, we shouldn't expect them just on the dime to just start like following Christ. Right. right? So there's a seed that gets planted and other people water it. And I had people along that time that were Christian and they would ask me about, Hey, do you believe in God? How's your walk with Jesus and things like that. They would take me to a youth group here and there. And that stuff just watered the seed that was planted in me from my parents, from them introducing me to Christ in in church. And uh, I just knew that like, all right, I need identity in something. I I can't get identity in my work. I can't get identity in, uh, you know, these women, where's my identity going to be in? And I'm like, dude, like something was just like, go to church. (laughs) Wow. So I uh, went and I just showed up at this church like all by myself dude I was so nervous I I just like went in there on my own and I like went way to the back it's pretty intimidating (laughs) dude I don't know how I like still to this day like I don't know how I did it it must have been all those really boring 
church services that just let me think like I've already been through the worst of a church service. <laughs> like how much worse could this be? And I just went there and dude, like, I wish I could tell you like that day, like changed my life. It, it didn't like, I was really confused with what the pastor was talking about, but there was a presence there. And that's when God was like grabbing me right there. And I knew there was something there and I knew I had to go back. What do you and mean by there's a presence there? There was a presence of just peace there and, and kind of like belonging. Okay. Like I knew, I knew that like this, this is, this is the direction I need to be right now. I, I need to be seeking God right now for, for, my, for my identity. And, and that's what that, and I felt that it was, it was really strong too, because again, like, why would I go by myself to this church? You know, there's something that made me want to go back. So I, so I went back, uh, <clears throat> I ended up getting um, my Bible, which I have sitting right next to me. It's about that's like, so cool. I think going on six, seven years old. And um, so this is about six, yeah, six years, seven years ago. And um, I got a Bible and I remember like calling churches like, hey, I want a Bible. Like, what's the easiest one to read? Because my mom like would give me the, <laughs> the New King James. It was super hard to read, dude. And like the New Living Translation, guys, like if you need a Bible, get the New Living Translation because I like that one. Um, people hate on it, but like it doesn't change the message. It's just a more modern language. And it's really easy to read. And again, it's the same message. And so I just started reading through that. And um, around that same time too, I, I got a skateboard. So, and I started skating around again, pushing around. And I'm like, started really getting on fire for wanting more of Jesus, wanting to know more about him, read the Bible more. And so I'm like, okay, like what's up with skating? And then, so I started kind of seeing the skate culture. I'm like, whoa, dude, the skate culture got kind of dark. <laughs> mm. And uh, it just seemed like it changed a little bit since from when I was younger skating. And I don't know if it was just, you know, I just hung around different people or now that I, I was maybe noticing it more now that I was going to church and I realized there was such a, like such a contrast. Yeah. And uh, so I started Googling like, uh, like Christian skaters or something like that. And the first thing that popped up was Skate Bible. And Skate Bible uh, it, it was a, a ministry that um, Brian Sumner started up. Okay. And uh, all you guys listening, like Brian Sumner was top the top pro for Birdhouse Skateboards. He's on numerous skate videos. I know we were just talking earlier, Zach. My favorite was uh, Audio Fulfilled the Dream. And he was on there. And uh, he... he um, the skate Bible, it was like, you know, Brian Sumner sharing his faith in Jesus. I'm like, whoa, wait, what? Like, I know, I know that guy. He, he's the guy that was on the posters and zoomies. He's the guy that was on the skate videos that I watched. He was the guy that was in the, the magazines I looked at. And I'm like, this dude's a Christian. And then he had a video called uh, Foolishness. Mm. He has a podcast now. It's called the Foolishness Podcast. Yeah. But he had a video called Foolishness. And it was just like him, Josh Harmony, Steve Caballero, uh, Christian Hasoy, Jay Haslip. And it was just, uh, I think Richard Moeller was in there. And it, it's just all these dudes. And I'm like, I know all these guys. <clears throat> like all the top guys. guys. Yeah, these are like the top three. For those of you who don't skateboard, these are like the top guys. I'm like, these guys are Christians? Like, no way. This is exactly what I need right now. So I remember I ordered... Uh, uh, the movie and I ordered uh, like a what did I get like a sweatshirt or something like that that I ordered from him 
and I was just stoked on it and was just watching that movie and that that movie just like spoke to me like the way they broke down the verses and just broke down the bible I'm like this this is it this is it this is what I need and I just remember one night um where I like kind of like kind of messed up a little bit with just like you know like lust and stuff like that I remember just like wanting to like have this stuff stop I'm like I don't want to just like lust after women anymore I don't want my identity to just be in women like I hate it. It feels bad. I want it to stop. And I remember just like in my room, just like in tears, like, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Like I want, I want more of you. I can't do this on my own. I, I need you. And, uh, you know, again, you know, nothing just clicked. Right. <clears throat> but it was definitely an encounter with Christ there, you know, with, with, um, with God, you know, spiritual encounter with God. And, and, you know, from that point, I was just reading the Bible. I was seeking out more, you know, like YouTube videos of pastors and sermons and stuff like that. And, you know, all this stuff I kind of started learning as a kid, it all just kind of started coming back and like making more sense. Um, so, so that, that's how skating and my faith kind of combined right there. And then, um, you know, later on down the line, um, so, so, so basically I'll, I'll just talk about like kind of my life, like after giving my life to Christ, you know, from there, I just saw a change, like the discernment I had, I had to not do certain things. I really got guilty if I would do something, um, that I wasn't supposed to be doing and I would feel bad about it. And that's, that's what's so amazing about being a Christ follower is that, you know, all these things that people tell us, don't do this, don't do that. You could tell someone that till, you know, you're blue in the face, but it's, it's going to be the spirit in you from Christ, just steering you away from that stuff, you know? And if you do mess up and you do that stuff, you're not, you know, you're, you're going to feel bad about it. And now, you know, like, Hey, I felt bad about that. I'm really not going to do that again. Yeah. So I started experiencing that. And I remember even trying to, um, I had a date with this one girl and, um, it would have been just such like an easy like situation. I mean, like guys out there who are listening, like it would have just been such an easy thing to just like get into this like physical relationship with this girl. You know, she was just very available in that sense. Yeah. And I remember like I was going to bed one night and uh, she was like, I was, I was talking to her on the phone and she was trying to set up like this trip for us. And I knew going on a trip would just be no good it would have probably just gotten me locked into some stuff. And uh, I remember I had this feeling of like, like this girl, like, like the feeling felt like she had like cheated on me. Like I just had this awful feeling come over me. And this feeling was just like, stay away from her. Like don't associate with this girl. And uh, I had no idea why, like she had done nothing. Everything was going great. <clears throat> but, you know, I believe that was the Holy Spirit just really guiding me since I had just really given my life to Christ. Right. I really believe that was the Holy Spirit saying, nope, dude, Matt, turn away. Like, don't, don't do that. I got something more for you. Uh, a week later after that, uh, I met who is now my wife. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And she's, she's a believer. My wife's a believer. And just that, I mean, just think, dude, I could have like gone on that date and that trip with that girl and, and completely missed my wife. Um, 
Yeah, let me, like, let me just add something real quick. It's it's crazy yeah. that you, right, right when you kind of started going in the direction of you, you meeting your wife, uh, one of the things that I kind of want to like touch on and for whoever is listening for them to grasp onto this is like, it seems like sometimes God is like a fun sucker or like trying to keep you from like something that might seem like it's good or fun. But ultimately, like, based on what you're telling me, based on what I've heard from many other people, based on, like, things that have happened in my own life, like, when you obey that, like, feeling that you have inside of, like, ah, this just doesn't feel right, I shouldn't do that. That's not God trying to keep you from, like, pleasure or joy or or anything remotely like that. He legitimately has something better for you, and he's Amen. just trying to guide you on the path that he has in mind for you. And I think you and I can both agree. Like when we try and get our hands in the mix of, you know, our life, sometimes um, we tend to just make things worse or not necessarily take the best path or take a path of resistance when it could be a a little easier, you know? Amen, brother. We're, we're, we're children, You, you know, we're, we're like little kids. And, you know, we, we wanted our, our, our nature, the flesh of our nature or our fleshly nature. We just want to do what feels good. Yeah. And, you know, you know, that stuff feels good for a moment, feels good for a season. And then it, it just, it just ends, ends bad. I mean, what's that verse? Like there's a way, yeah. And, and like Proverbs or Psalms, I think it says, the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end is death. Mm. And, it, and it's so true man because like all the choices i was making was just ending in like not physical death but being dead in my own sin you know just being my soul my spirit was just was just dead you know um so that no that's so true man it's so true and and there god has he's not keeping us from stuff you know just like if you're a kid you know you you're a little kid and you like see a campfire and you're like wow that campfire is pretty rad i want to like touch that fire (laughs) you know like it'll be it'll be really cool to like scoot towards that campfire and like touch it but it's gonna burn you dude but your father or your parent or you know whoever you ended whoever raised you who who's wiser than you they're gonna say like no you can't touch that campfire i know you want to touch that campfire but if you touch it it's gonna burn you so so yeah man it's not like he's keeping stuff from us like he's actually giving us way more we just don't know it yet. <laughs> yeah, And that's what he did with me, man. He gave me way more. I mean, my wife is amazing. Lo- love you, Brooke. You know, she's just shout like, out. So shout out, Brooke. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, she's like, awesome. And you know what I'll share in a moment too, just what we went through, like, I couldn't imagine like going through life without her. So mm-hmm. um, and that was all just from obeying God, you know, um, just obeying God, you know, following what he was calling me to do you know, turn away from certain things and, and lean into other things that were godly. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's good. So you guys, did you guys end up having kids at all? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so that's, let me, we did have, so we had, we had kids and this is again, like a good, you're hitting it right on the head, Zach, like perfect timing on everything. Um, thank you. So I will, I'll talk about our, our kid 
Grayson because he's a very special guy and I got a lot to unpack about him. But um, I'll touch quickly on like in between that time, like getting married to my wife um, and like having Grayson. So me, I picked up skateboarding like right when I found who I truly was, you know, follower of Christ, like I really went back to skating, you know, because mm-hmm. I loved it and I had ditched it so I can pursue other things in my life. And I was all bummed about that. So I started skating and just like started learning like tons of new stuff, like more than I ever did, minus the heavy impact drops because <laughs> I was too old for that. I'm 36 now. So like how even at like to back up, what's up? I said, how old were you when you picked it back up? Yeah, so I picked it back up when I was probably like uh, 26, 25, 26. Wow. So, dude, I was pretty stoked to just learn so much so quickly, um, like from picking it back up at that age. And then, um, you know, and and I loved it, dude. I was like getting in the parks more. And I had this like passion to share my experience of how Jesus just dramatically changed my life. And so I'm like... <clears throat> how do I use skateboarding like Brian Sumner's doing with Skate Bible? How, how do I do that? Like, I, I want to do that. And, you know, um, I just prayed a lot about it. And, you know, God led me to the name Healer, which um, encompasses two things. So it encompasses how skateboarding was a really, really big healing tool for me mm-hmm. as a kid, like, you know, dealing with anxiety and stuff like that in, in my right. rough town and all that. And any other thing that came my way, it was a really good kind of a healing tool. Then, then it also references First uh, Peter two twenty four, where it says that um, you know we are dead in sin, and, and Christ died for our sin and took our sin uh, to the cross, to, so we could be you know renewed and, and brought back to life. So basically, that's saying that you know Jesus, um, he he, we're we're dead to sin, but he heals us. You know, he heals our our broken hearts, our hearts that are filled with just wrongdoings and sinful nature. He is that healer for our, our soul. And so that's what that references. And um, yeah, man, so that's, God gave me that name and I drew up my little logo and, and healer skate. All it is, is it's a excuse to share about Jesus. That's all it is. I put clips up there. I'm happy when people like them. I'm, I'm, it's cool that people are entertained by my skating and it's good physical exercise. I like, I like to document what I'm learning and stuff like that, but it, it's really an excuse to have people see my sticker out somewhere or they come across my page and see some Bible verses and they're like, well, that, what is this? Or, or like put something in my story and they're like, wow, there's some truth to that. What does that mean? You know, it gets good conversation starting and it gives me basically an excuse to share my story, you know, lead them to Bible verses, lead them to other directions, uh, you know, to other, you know, sources where they can learn more about Christ. Um, I try to put homies up on, on my page too, that are out there serving the Lord and stuff like that. And I just try to just, you know, even like your podcast, I try to just shout that out and just basically be kind of um, <clears throat> this hub where people can just associate healer skate and that logo that they see with this network of people that are out there skating for Christ and, and being positive and loving and, and accepting. And, and that's, that's really, that's really all it is. That's so. really cool. And I, and I, you know, I've, I've noticed that you have shared um, a couple episodes 
from this podcast and your stories on Instagram. And I really appreciate that. That's really cool. Of course, man. Yeah. I just try to do that because, um, you know, I had a lot of fear going into this, you know, I was like, Oh, I need to be associated with a church or I need to have this big event where I meet monthly to do the skate ministry guys. Like, no, like it, if you're a Christ follower and you're on fire for, for the Lord and want to share your faith with people, um, your ministry is the job that you go to every day. If you're unemployed and you're going to Starbucks to get a coffee or something, I don't know if you, if you're unemployed and you're going to Starbucks, I mean, maybe yeah, rethink about exactly your, where you're spending your money, yeah. but wherever you're doing, like whatever your situation is, whatever experience you're going through, that is your ministry at that time, right? And if you're a scuba diver, if you're a skydiver, whatever your talent, whatever your passion is, that's your ministry. And it doesn't mean that you have to go out there with a megaphone shouting at everyone. It means building relationships with people, showing them how you're living out being a Christ follower and shedding that truth and sharing that truth. And they're going to realize that you're going to be there for them when they have a hard time. Cause dude, like I have had so many people and it's, it's so cool and it has nothing to do with me. It's all God working, but I've had so many people just hit me up for prayers, hit me up with questions, hard questions, you know, where they're, where they don't know if they believe in, in a God or anything like that. And I'm able to share with them, calmly talk with them and just really start that dialogue and plant seeds about who Christ is. So it's a, it's, it's a blessing, man. So I hope that serves as encouragement for anyone out there just to, you know, use whatever you got, whatever talent, whatever passion God, God gave you that as a gift and you should roll with that and use that to honor him. So, cause we're told in the Bible, you know, whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do, do it to honor God. So, so that, sorry, go ahead. That's where that, that's where, that's kind of where Healer Skate started. And that's been going, I think going on like five years now. Um, and uh, it's been great, dude. I've met, I'm sitting here talking with you, dude. Like <laughs> I, I've met awesome, I've met awesome people, man. And uh, I got a chance to serve uh, at a skate ministry um, in Huntington Beach. It was like a, a, a weekly, a weekly thing. Uh, I got to go and, and share with the youth in Huntington Beach in a, in a kind of a rough area um, where, where kids really needed to hear hope, the hope of Christ, uh, Brian Sumner, um, who I mentioned earlier was heading that up. So I got to meet him there and become really good friends with him there. Uh, along with some other guys, Richard Mulder would come out there and uh, share as well. And, uh, it was just really encouraging to be around those guys. So I've been really honored and just, I'm thankful that, that the Lord has been using me to, um, share my story about how God can, can change people's lives and, and be there for them. So that's been, that's been really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like, uh, for a long time and I'm still kind of trying to figure out my purpose, but as, as I'm realizing it more and more these days, I feel like you can use just about anything to share the gospel. And especially when it comes to something you're passionate, passionate about and like, or your work or, or whatever, like, there's so many different vehicles to share the gospel with people and the hope of Jesus. But I think for the longest time before I kind of started figuring that out, like, especially with skateboarding, like I definitely want to use skateboarding more as a tool to share the hope of Christ. Um, But I think for the longest time, I'd look up to like 
people in bands that were Christians or pastors, and, and that's fine, but these people that would have these like really big platforms. And I would think like that seems to be like the way, like, or almost like you have to have this like really big grand yeah. thing. And that is true to some degree, like you can have a big platform and share the gospel. Um, but you don't have to, you know, like I'm just some dude in Ohio and I'm just recording these podcasts because I, I want other believers to be encouraged. And I want people that I know or people that even I don't know that don't believe, I want them to hear, at least just hear the gospel, you know? And uh, it's, it's the little things, man, that make really big impact sometimes. And um, so I, it's, I appreciate that reminder because sometimes I, I get caught up with thinking I need to have this big plan and you really don't have to, you just got to go about your everyday life and use whatever you have, you know? That's, that's right, man. And, 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 you know, um, I remember being in church one time and the pastor said, turn to your neighbor. It was during the greeting. You know, they don't do that anymore. Cause like <laughs> COVID. yeah, you don't like greet someone and like shake their hand. But I remember the pastor said, turn to, turn to your neighbor and say like what job you wanted to do as a kid. And this older guy, this older gentleman was like, I wish I was a, a pastor or, or, I, or I wanted to be a minister. And I'm like, dude, you are though. <laughs> yeah. Like, like God you still like, have the official title. Yeah. Like God uses us all, dude. Like we're all called to go to the depths of the earth to share our faith, to share our faith in Christ. And Romans 10, uh, 13 it says, uh, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But then this is, this is where it gets into like what we all should do as Christians. Cause we should all be in full-time ministry. Even if we're just a single person, you know, without a, without, you know, a church backing without, you know, a weekly meeting for a ministry, we're all in ministry. And it says, but how can they call on, how could they call on him to be saved unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And then how will anyone tell them without being sent? Right. And then it says, that's why scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messenger who brings the good news. So we're that messenger with the beautiful feet, not my feet. <laughs> my feet are kind of beat up from skating, but you know, we're all, we're all the messenger of, of, of Christ, you know, and, and the good news. So I think it's also important to remember because like, so there's so many times where I just want to like get someone to believe or convince them. And like, while that may happen, you know, yeah. um, it's important to remember we are just a messenger. We're not supposed to be beating people over the head with the Bible or, yeah. or as they call it, Bible thumping, like yeah, yeah, just to, supposed to be a loving person that wants to, sh and I want to emphasize this word share. Yeah the gospel. Yep. And do this again, like your timing is like key today, dude. So I think this is a good time. <laughs> We're on a roll. This is a good time to tell people what the gospel is. Right. And I think Amen. as Christians, we need a refresher because this is what we should really be focusing on. Um, and again, after this, I want to lead into the, the big part of my testimony currently, which is my, my precious little boy that me and my wife had. Um, but this definitely ties into what we're going to talk about with my son, but like you hear people say the good news, the gospel. So what is the good news is, is Jesus, right? So if you look at 
this world, it's beautiful. There's a lot of stuff to it, right? I mean, it's, it's crazy cool, dude, the way things work in this world, the way our bodies are put together. It, 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 we're all miracles. I mean, it's amazing, like how everything works. I mean, the Bible says like, no, no one is without excuse to believe that there's a God because you could just look around at the beauties of the earth and understand that someone made it. Right. Yeah. And so, so as Christians, we, we have hope in that we, we believe that <clears throat> there's a creator that created this miraculous stuff. You know, if you look at a building, if you look at a book, a painting, a book doesn't write itself. A painting doesn't paint itself. A building doesn't build itself. There, there's a creator for, for everything. So as Christians, we know that. And then where that goes from there is, although the world is beautiful and miraculous, there's a lot of hurt, there's a lot of hate, there's murder, there's death in this world. Uh, we all have an expiration date. <clears throat> I think most of us are really aware of our expiration date or, or wondering when our expiration date may be because of this past year and all the crazy stuff that's been going on, you know, like we're, we could die tomorrow, we could die tonight, we could die in the next couple minutes. Where do you want to go when you die? That's a big question, you know, do we, if there's a creator, then that means, according to the Bible, there's a heaven and there's a hell. Hell is eternal torment away from God. Heaven is eternity with God where there's no suffering, there's no pain, it's just something that we can't even imagine and so good. And, you know, a lot of people, if you ask them, you know, and, and I hope people ask them, themselves this too, like, where am I going to go when I die? A lot of people will say, well, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a good person. You know, I, I volunteer my time. I donate money. But God gave us something called the moral law, which is laid out in the Ten Commandments. And, you know, you all can look them up, but basically it says don't have any other gods before, before God you know, um, obey your, your parents. Don't, don't commit adultery. Don't steal, don't lie. And there's, there's 10 of them, you know? Um, but basically those are written to show us that we're actually not good <laughs> because I've broken probably like most of those 10 commandments, even the one where it says don't murder, like everyone's freaking out. Whoa, Matt, you murdered someone. No, but Jesus <laughs> says that you even, Jesus says that even if you have hate in your heart towards a brother, you have committed murder right? Because a hateful heart is a murderous heart. So I'm guilty of all those. And I hope people look really at their, themselves, whether they've still lusted over a woman or whatever, we're all guilty of that. So if you break the law, so we all brought, broke God's law, but if we break the law, if we, we do a if we steal something, if we get a speeding ticket and we have to go see a judge in the court of law, and the judge says like, hey, you need to pay this fine. And we say, well, judge, I don't think so because I'm a really good person. I, uh, you know, have a good job. I'm nice to my wife. I volunteer. I donate money. Um, it could even be, it could even be, I go to, I go to church and I sit there and I listen to church or I go to church and I say this prayer or whatever, but the judge is still going to say, that's all great, but you, you need to pay your fines still, sir. <laughs> You need to pay your fine. You're still guilty. And so we're guilty of breaking that moral law. We're, we're imperfect people, so subpar to God's glorious standard. But God is so good and so merciful that he pay, he's going to pay our fine for us. He's going to 
wipe our slate clean of all that wrongdoing that we've done. And, and, and how is that? How does he do that? Well, he sent, he came down to us as Jesus in the flesh and Jesus went to the cross, took every sin, every bad thing, right? That we could have ever done every bad thing we will do. And he died on the cross for us as the ultimate sacrifice. And he rose on the third day. Sounds kind of weird. How could someone raise from the dead? But if you're God, you raise from the dead. And he did that to prove to people that he is God and you need to believe in him. And by, and, and, and that's a free gift, right? To have our debt and our fine paid and be forgiven and to be right in God's eyes, Jesus died for our sins as a free gift. And how do we accept that free gift? We repent. So we turn from our wrongdoing, whatever wrongdoing we're doing, we need to stop doing it, you know? Um, and then we believe that Jesus is the son of God. We believe that he is God and we put our trust in Jesus and we put our trust in him from reading the Bible, praying to him and trying to press forward and walk in a relationship with, with Jesus. And it's free guys. Like that's all there is to it. I mean, that's the gospel, which the gospel means good news. And that's, that's great news because I don't, <clears throat> you know, if, if we're wrong, eternity in, in hell is a long, long time. So, you know, I, I pray that, you know, people who are Christian, I, I pray that that kind of like serves as like a little checkpoint and something that they can share and people who aren't a Christian, I, I hope that that's something you can consider about because, you know, a, a lot of people, and I did this too, is we break the first commandment, which it says, have no other God other than me. And we create our own God where this God accepts whatever we want to do by us telling us, and we also tell ourselves we're a good person. So it's like, I'm a good person, but I'm going to do whatever I do, whatever I want to do. And, and God's, God's okay with that because I'm a good person. And, and again, like, as I just went over, you know, that's not, that's not, um, what the Bible says. So it's only through, uh, you know, repenting, turning from our ways and, you know, living a life following Christ is how we can be saved and righteous in God's eyes. So, so real quick, and I, I don't know if we'll agree. Hopefully we agree on it. Um, and I don't know if it was just like the timing of what you said. Um, do you think it is, repent and then believe or believe and then repent that's a good one man i think so i think repenting i'm thinking about for me i think that could be seen as an attempt to turn away from okay. what from our wrongdoings because i know the stuff that i was doing that was not honoring god i didn't just stop that I didn't just stop that right away, you know, when I, when I, when I, uh, you know, committed my life to following Christ, you know, I think, I think it's, it's a process of being sanctified too, mm. you know, cause it, it's the more we're, the more we're trusting and following Christ by reading the Bible, you know, attending church services and listening and really learning what it means to be a Christ follower. I think that's when that's when we're really going to see that transformation. But as far as repenting, I, I, honestly, man, I, I think it comes down to um, God knowing what's actually in our heart. 
you know, because if, if we're truly, because we have to be truly sorry, like to repent, to turn from our wrongdoing and to be, to be saved, we, we have to be some truly sor- sorrowful and understand that we're wrong hmm. in, in, in what we've done and what we're doing. And that's why this is so offensive to some people, because they don't want to admit that, that they're wrong or that they've done wrong. They, they yeah. want to stick with, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm a good person. Yeah, I've done some bad stuff, but I'm good. So, so yeah, back to your question, you know, is it, because you said, is it repent, then believe, or believe and repent? Yeah, yeah, that was my question. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of goes hand in hand, or, or, or I, I mean, guess I, it's I not like a one or the other. It could no, no, I don't blended gray area. I don't think I think it is blended, dude. I, I think it really is blended because you could believe that there's a God, and then you're going to be learning about God. You're going to be learning more about you know how gracious and and merciful He is, and then that's going to hit you. Yeah. I mean, so so yeah, man. I mean, you know, I'm really glad you brought that up because it actually reminds me of. Um, another podcast I was listening to um, had Brian Head Welch on it from Corn, And he yeah. said that he believed. So here's your answer, I think, brother. <laughs> so he said he believed in God and he would go to church strung out on meth. Yeah. So he obviously hadn't repented and turned from his ways. He believed that there was a God. He knew there was something there. And then it just hit him <clears throat> to where, you know, God grabbed a hold of him and shook him <laughs> and, and he repented and turned from his ways. But I think it's, it's that, you know, you have, you have to sincerely understand and sincerely make that, that turn from your wrongdoing. Yeah. Because if you just say you believe in Christ and, you know, you say, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just ask him for forgiveness and then you keep doing what you're doing. I mean, God knows your heart, man. I mean, God, God's going to know you from him you're not sincere. Yeah. It's like, like the boy who cried wolf, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I knew that's wrong. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And like you said, you can't hide from God. Like God's going to know your heart. So it's a process. So yeah. I mean, like, you know, if, if, if people are out there and they're like, man, I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. Well, keep doing what you're doing, but please open a Bible because there's going to come a point where it's going to speak to you and, and you're going to start being convicted of, of what you're doing. Yeah. The reason why I asked was just because and I don't think that you meant it as like, it was that way. And that's the mm. only way I, I was genuinely, no, no, no. but I do Not- think, I, I think it's important for some people to hear because if you don't believe or you're curious, yeah, um, I think some people feel like they need to clean themselves up before they come to God. And that's yeah. not true because like, no. I think anybody, whether you believe or not, you can, you, you know, like sometimes we can't even trust ourselves. Like we, we just mess up. Even if we are trying to be a really good person, sometimes we just aren't good people. And so at the end of the day, like God wants you exactly how you are. And like, you don't have to overwhelm yourself with thinking I have to change all these things or like, no, this isn't good about me. And you may be right. There may be some aspects that you are correct about in your own life that aren't good. But at the end of the day, like God is going to place on your heart, what he wants you to change. And he will give you the strength and tools to be able to change the things about you that should probably grow and mature. 
Oh yeah, exactly, man. That's like what I shared of my early church experience. It was just a bunch of people saying, don't do this, don't do that. Self-righteous. Um, and and then later on, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Self-righteous. And you know, that's on the commandments too, but, but, but yeah, I mean, that was, um, my experience too is like, yeah, I, I didn't just, <clears throat> when I went to that church that first time I was still doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing, Yeah. you know, and, and even to this day, you know, we still mess up, you know, again, Christians are not perfect. Like we, we are not better than other people. We're just forgiven. That's yep. the only difference. You know, we're just forgiven. We're just, yeah. we're not, we're not more perfect or anything like that. Cause, oh yeah, we're going to mess up. <clears throat> and you go through different seasons where you face different, different trials. But, um, you know, if we're walking with Christ, you know, he's going to be right there with us, you know, no matter what we're going through. Right. So, so tell me about your, your son. It sounds like there's a pretty big story behind him. Yeah, yeah, man. So yeah, so a, a little over a year and a half ago, uh, you know, my wife and I, we got uh, pregnant with our, our son. And um, so starting off, so my son was born with a extremely rare condition called Cornelia de Lange syndrome. And to put it in perspective, autism affects about <clears throat> one in 80. Uh, Down syndrome is about one in 600. My son's condition is estimated to run in the one to 10,000 to one to 30,000 range. Jeez. So it's extremely rare. Um, the gene that was mutated. So there's a protein in the gene that had a mutation. Um, it's nothing that I carry. It's nothing that my wife carries. It's just something that happens. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the field that I work in, you know, working with kids with special needs, there's a lot of different syndromes that I've come across. And there's a lot of things that can just happen. In, in our body with our genetic makeup, whether it's at birth, whether it's when you're five or 40 or 50 or whatever. Um, so yeah, so he was born with that. And so basically the story with that was, um, you know, my wife and I went to a basic checkup um, at the OBGYN and she says to my wife, like, hey, your, your, your stomach's measuring a little small. And at that time, my wife was like 36 weeks. So that's a month, uh, about a month earlier than you want. And so she, sh her stomach should have been bigger. And so she sends us to a high risk doctor <clears throat> and we're like, oh man, this can't be good. So she's like, you need to go now, <laughs> like go over there. So we go over to this high risk doctor and, uh, basically we're in the room, we're doing an ultrasound. She's like, your baby's really small. And your wife has like no amniotic fluid. It's like really low. I'm like, oh man, okay. Yeah. And then the doctor says, and you need to walk across the street. And this was a Friday. She goes, you need to walk across the street and you're going to have the baby Sunday. And this is a month early. We're like, we're like, hold on, wait, say what? <laughs> and, uh, Dude, I don't know if anyone's been punched in the stomach. I know I have because I grew up in a pretty bad town, but like, <laughs> it's just like the wind gets knocked out of you and you're like, what is going on? And uh, so we went over there and um, basically they're giving my wife uh, fluid through an IV and you can't get amniotic fluid back. You can just sustain it. And so they're giving her fluid through an IV and then they were um, giving her some steroids for my son's lungs to keep them strong because they knew he was going to come a month early. So they wow. do that with babies that are coming early because they need their lungs strong to survive. And so, you know, me and my wife, 
our hopes were, were really high in, in the, uh, in the hospital room, you know, cause it was a Friday and we waited to Sunday and they had to do a forced, uh, C-section because if you deliver a baby with low amniotic fluid, they can't float and rotate around in the mother's womb. So they're going to get strangled and caught up in that umbilical cord. So they had to do a uh, forced cesarean section. And let me remind you this, like we were keeping the gender a secret. We didn't want to know, or, or we weren't keeping it a secret. We were keeping ourselves from knowing. We didn't want to know if it was a boy or a girl. We just wanted to be surprised. And on <laughs> May 5th, <laughs> uh, about a year, year and a half ago, we were surprised because uh, they called me over to the delivery table. I walked over there, trying not to look behind the, the tarp. I don't want to see my wife all cut open, right. which is gnarly. That's what they do in a C-section. And the nurse, she goes, um, uh, you know, here, here's your, like, here he is. And I look and I notice his junk. I'm like, babe, we got, we got a boy, we got a Grayson. And then the nurse, she kind of puts her hand on my, um, it was the doctor actually, she kind of puts her hand on my shoulder and she goes, uh, dad, we're going to, we're going to find out why his arms are like this. And I, I go, what, what do you mean? And so I look down and I notice that his arms are basically, it's kind of stuck. Like if you're, if you're like doing curls and your arms are curled up, like you just curled some biceps, his arms are kind of stuck like that. And he's got three fingers total. Wow. Uh, one on the right hand, two on the left. And I go, okay. And here I am someone at that time, 10 years working in the field of special needs. And I have never seen anything like this. I've never read about anything like this in my, in my books, you know? And so I'm like, oh man, I don't know what's going on. They just say, we got to get them upstairs to the neonatal intensive care unit. And we got to just get them up there quick. Um, they rolled him past my wife and uh, my wife was, you know, kind of, kind of sedated a little bit and she didn't really know too much of what was going on. And so that was extremely hard because my wife is just, hopped up on the feel good meds because she just got cut open. And here I am having to process all this on my own. And dude, I'm, I'm freaking out. Like I, I, at that point, I thought my life was just done. I didn't know if I was going to have a son. I didn't know if he was going to live. I didn't know if, um, what this meant, like how he would be. Uh, I had no clue what, what this all meant. So we were just sitting in the recovery room and the doctor comes over and again, dude, like I'm, I'm, I've lost my mind. I'm like asking the doctor, like, can he grow fingers back? <laughs> and like all this stuff, you know, <laughs> just, just trying to process it. And then she looked at me like, no. And I knew the answer to it, but you you know, your mind just goes, goes kind of like all over. And so, yeah. yeah, so we, so basically, basically, man, like what that led to was just, it, it led to him being up in the, the neonatal intensive care unit for 51 days. He lived up there and about a month into it, we were, we saw a geneticist and it was suggested that he had that syndrome called Cornelia DeLange syndrome. And of course I looked it up and, you know, when you look up any sort of thing, other, you know, that's not your own child, you see a child that's not yours and you start imagining your child being like this other child that's not, that's not yours and you don't have a connection at all. And you start really just, 
having a hard time with it, man. I remember like while my wife was recovering in the hospital, like just, just sobbing, dude, just completely devastated. Just didn't know what to think about anything. Um, you know, it was a really dark time. I start getting these solutions in my head of like, what can we do? You know, like, Oh, like we could just like peace out of here or we could just put them up for adoption. Um, just dark thoughts, dude, dark, darker, darker than that. Like I, even, even about myself, like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to live with this? Do I just like kill myself or something? You know, not that I would do that, but this is the, this just demonstrates the end of the road that I was at with mm. my options of what they would be. And the only thing I knew to do, man, was just turn to God, turn to God and be like, God, like I prayed for this child and you gave me this child. And I know that in Psalm 149, it says that, you know, God thinks people up before we're even born, you know, and he knits us together perfectly to his will in the mother's womb. And he, he, there's no mistakes, you know, even in, I think it's Exodus, you know, God tells Moses, you know, like who, who gives, who, who uh, makes the man talk, who makes the man deaf, you know, it, it is I, the Lord, you know, so there's a purpose in the way that people are created. And, you know, this is the stuff that I hung on to, even though it was not easy, but yeah, man, my little guy, he just stayed 51 days up there. We found out the diagnosis. We, he had a blood transfusion, which was like super scary to sit through because your body might not take the blood. It might just freak out. And he, he took it well though. Um, cause he was a little anemic. And so he had to do a blood transfusion and then he was, you know, he's being fed through his nose with the tube. He had, you know, he looked like Darth Vader for a moment there with like all this like breathing apparatus stuff he had on him and uh, do that, that NICU, the neonative, the neonatal intensive care unit that we, that were up there. It was, it was heavy up there, dude. Like we saw one pound babies come in. We saw families outside of the, the room when just crying because they just lost their, their child. Uh, we saw, we saw drug babies come in there. We saw social services take away babies uh, it was heavy, dude. It was heavy. And, uh, but I'll tell you one thing though, God's presence was there because every, I would say every nurse that was up there was a believer. And I don't know how you could work up there without being a believer, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. And, and so they were so comforting, dude. And there's almost this like peace up there and we were joyful through it. We, we were joyful, you know, um, just understanding that this is, even though we weren't accepting of it, just understanding that this is the way that God wanted our son. We knew that and, and we took hope and we had joy in that. And, you know, me and my wife, we, we would have fun, you know, packing up from our house and, and going over to the hospital, visiting my son, you know, we'd make videos, we'd go visit him at 12 at night and we'd, we'd make little videos saying, we're going to go to the club NICU and uh, go up there and party. <laughs> party with our son. And, and, you know, it was, uh, it was an experience I don't want anyone to have, but I'm, I'm glad I had it, you know, and, uh, you know, so going to my son, you know, so with his, with his diagnosis, you know, his arms will, will be like that. And, and he has function in them. He's learning to do things in his own way with his arms and stuff. You know, like I go up, I go, what's up little dude. And I put my elbow, out. he'll give me elbows and stuff like that, you know, he'll, he'll reach over with his little finger and like touch my beard. And, you know, he, he's learning, man. And, and, 
you know, this syndrome comes with a lot of cognitive delays. He's very, very behind on everything. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't doubt things. I don't, I don't, um, not accept things with the field that I'm in. I'm, I'm aware of where he's at. I, I accept the reality of how he is and he's very behind on things, dude, but man, this boy has my heart, man. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would not, I would not change him for the world, dude. I mean, it's it, just the thought of seeing my son different makes me sad because I, I, I want this. I want the son I have. You know, because that, that's, who, that's who God gave me. And uh, he does things in his own way and the way he's supposed to do things, dude. And he has changed so many people's hearts. And the cool thing about it, dude, is I prayed to God for a son that would glorify God. And that's exactly what I got. Like my, my strength, my faith in God is so much more bold after having my son. So he's changed my heart. He's just me and my wife, the, the way we are now with our faith and our relationship, we serve as a, a light to other people. We've already gotten a chance to share our experience with other mothers that have children in the NICU and that have children that have a diagnosis where we've been able to share with them and serve as encouragement for them and sharing our faith. So we were talking about ministry earlier, you know, that that's our ministry right there, you know all those experiences that we go through, whether they're whatever hardship that we go through, God, God gives us those for a reason. So we could lift other people up going through that same thing. So, man, I gotta, I gotta keep thinking that the verse talking about God knowing you before you were even born and he knows you so well that he knows all the hairs on your head and he knitted yep. you in your mother's womb and that there were no mistakes and yep. that it, he, he created you perfectly. That has to serve as incredible comfort to you and your wife, because even though your son might not like, might not be like you and me, he's alive. He sounds like he's relatively healthy and like yeah, man. Br brings you so much joy. Yeah. Oh yeah. The way he is, is it brings us joy you know, he's, you know, very blessed to be healthy. And, uh, you know, he knows us, you know, I get home, he sees me, he smiles, I mean, he's, he's very interactive with us. And, you know, some families out there that might listen to this, <clears throat> whether it's their own child or their child that they'll have, you know, some kids with a disability might present differently. And I've learned to not compare, like how my son is with a disability to another child with a disability you know you can't you can't compare because you know like we said god thinks up these kids the way they are you know and and there's a purpose for how each and one of them are mm -hmm. you know and, and it's you know it's it's going to be a tough i mean we, we are so happy dude i mean we love our son we're so happy with him and so thankful for him and you know things things won't be easy along the way but you know there's two there's two pieces of scripture that like i've just really put a lot of um, faith into and, and got lifted up from um, one is in James and it's about like your endurance and build, building your faith up. And this goes to like anyone going through any struggle, whether it's like depression or like a death or, or like anything. And in James, it says that your brothers and sisters, when you, uh, troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. 
So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete needing nothing. And dude, that's like how I feel now. Like the confidence that I have as a follower of Christ, like understanding the purpose for me, God's purpose for my son, the God's purpose for like my marriage. Like it just gives you so much confidence, dude. Like I'm sure you could attest like, I mean, that, that verse where it says you're perfect, complete, needing nothing, like, that's it, dude. Like, with Christ, like, no matter what you go through, your faith will grow, and you, you don't need anything else. <laughs> it's so true. I, I, I can't attest to that. Um, I've not quite had the same story as you, but, you know, in my own life's challenges and uh, experiences that I've had, I when it, when it comes down to all, only having God left. Um, yeah. You know, he really prevails and uh, reminds you that he is sufficient. Oh yeah. It's so true, man. And, and, you know, like for a while there, for a while there, you know, I really didn't have anything to complain with, you know, uh, about my life, you know, and I know there's a lot of people out there where they're like, I don't need God. Like my life's good. Um, I guarantee something's probably going to happen one day. Um, it's not that I'm wishing that on someone. And it's also, I'm also not saying that that something that's going to happen is bad. It's just going to be something that's going to be different than what you plan for. Uh, because my son is definitely not a bad thing. You know, it's a very good thing. My son, you know, I, I, I see it. And so people out there are just like cruising by, um, just think about it you know like something's going to happen that's just it's going to be a plan that's different than yours and god's plan is perfect dude god's plan is great and and we think that we have this perfect plan of what we want and the way that we think things should be uh but again like we talked about earlier we're like little kids dude like we really don't know the best plan and, you know, God presents these things to us and we can trust in what he, he puts our, in our way and we can trust in that and turn to him and seek his answer during these hard times. And, and he'll show us that his way is way better than our plans. I always say, I always say our plans suck. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They do, man. Um, and, and that's just what we learned. And, and, you know, another verse for anyone going through something tough, it's in First uh, Peter First uh, Peter 1 6 says so be truly glad there are wonderful there is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while these trials will show that your faith is genuine it is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold through your faith is far more precious than mere gold so when your faith remains strong through many trials it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ is uh, revealed to the whole world so, you know, again, there, you know, like during the time with my, my son, I was facing all those trials, dude. I was like in the fire being refined. My faith was being refined in the fire. And I was struggling with, I was struggling with <clears throat> what the world says is good. You know, I'm like, my son is this way, but that's not the, the way the world says things should go. And all my things that I was thinking was, was selfish, you know, like, you know, I would, again, like have these dark thoughts, like God, like, and like super dark, dude, like God, like if my son's going to be a certain way, like just take him, you know, but that's all, that's all selfish, dude. That's, that's what I wanted, you know, and, and it's not trusting in what God wants for me. 
because I see it now, what God wants for me was, and, and my wife was for me and my wife to have our son. And uh, dude, it's great. I, I, I love my son. I love my life. Like I don't want it different. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you being vulnerable and open to sharing that because I know like letting people into those dark thoughts could be kind of scary. I mean, that's really tough stuff to be thinking about. And, uh, yeah. you know, no judgments here or anything like that. I, I don't know what I would be like in that situation or what I would think. But uh, I think just when we're under a lot of pressure, we could we could go to some dark places. So um, yeah, I think man. it's good that you shared it too, though, because there's hope in like what has happened to you and your family and just where you are now with everything. Yeah. Uh, one, it's a testament to God's promises to you guys. Um, you know, you did, you prayed for a child and you have a child and yeah. um it may not have been the way that you pictured it, but at the end of the day, uh, you got something amazing Amen. and to just have that hope through something so difficult is, um, it's gotta be tough to yeah. keep that kind of hope. And I know you kind of wavered a little bit, but it's a testament that your, you know, your faith is as strong as it is. And I'm sure it grew even stronger through all of that. So again, I really appreciate your vulnerability and just being willing to share, even the deepest and darkest things that have gone through your mind before. For sure, man. And, 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 you know, yeah, of course. I mean, that's, again, like that's my testimony and that's, you know, God, God gives each one of us a certain path and that's mine. And we just have to lean into that path and, you know, trust in God through that path and just do his work. Everything we're doing here, when we go out and skateboard, like that's not our skateboard. That, that's like God's skateboard that he blessed us with. And we got to use it for him. You know, our, our talents that we have for work, you know, our children that we have, they're, they're not our kids. They're, they're God's kids. Grayson is, is not my son. It's, it's, that's God's child. I, I just get to take care of him. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I hope this is encouragement for like anyone out there that like knows someone with special needs or that will have a child or has a child with special needs. And, you know, guys, like the, I, I think the church is getting better at it, but I really hope that like the church could be of support to people that have children with special needs. Cause you know, unfortunately some churches still will say things like, you know, this is a result of sin and whatnot. And pastors who say stuff like that, like I got a book for them to read. It's called the Bible <laughs> because, because there's absolutely nothing in there that says that uh, a child being born with a disability is a result of any any sin that you've done. It actually says the opposite. In in the book of Matthew, you know, uh, Jesus and his disciples are going around town sharing the gospel and stuff, and they see a blind man, and the does the disciples uh, ask Jesus, like they say, Messiah, Messiah, like what did he do, or what did his parents do, to where he is blind? And Jesus said he didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. He's blind, so the power of God can be seen through him. Wow. <laughs> so it actually says the opposite. And then again, going back to Exodus, you know, God tells Moses, like, you know, who makes the man blind? Who makes the man deaf? Um, you know, sometimes unordinary situations happen, not because we did something wrong, because God's going to work through us, through our experience. You know, the best example is the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul had what he called a thorn in his side. Some people said it was ulcers. Some people said it was some sort of ailment 
that he had and he prayed to God to heal him. And God said, no, <laughs> God said, I'm not going to heal you. I want you to have this pain, this, this ailment. I want you to suffer through this. And the apostle Paul acknowledged, you know, in, in, in his, in the, um, in the letter, the apostle Paul says that God's power works best in weakness, mm. you know, and that, and that goes to that verse, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And I know that's a cheesy coffee mug, uh verse there but what it's saying is it's not saying you can do all things like i can't go out and you know tray flip the el toro staircase you know of course i can't do it now because they blocked it off but even if it was open i can't do that through christ what that verse means is that you can endure all things with the power of christ behind you yeah so so that that's what that's referring to so so yeah you know i mean if you guys are hearing anything like that in the church i mean like just get, get out of there but you know you know that for the most part you know churches understand you know that are bible teaching they they embrace uh the perfectness of every person that walks in there no matter how they're created and uh, i know my church does that and you know i mean, i i think church is one of the best feeling places i take my son you know everyone just understands yeah, he's a perfect creation, um, which, you know, I believe that because the Bible says so. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's, you can't go, can't go more than that. <laughs> Dang. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all that stuff. Um, very, very encouraging. Uh, almost had me choked up there towards the end when you were talking about your son. Um, is there anything that you wanted to share at all? Man, I, I just, um, yeah, just, I, I guess just to recap everything to everyone, just, uh, you know, I just respect everyone where they're at with their walk. And, and you know, I just uh, want them to know that, you know, a sincere Christ follower accepts them wherever they are in their life. And uh, for those of you who don't, who don't know who, who this Jesus dude is, I just learn about him. Um, go to YouTube and um, look up a YouTube channel called Cross Examined. Um, another good one is The Beat with Alan Parr. And uh, another one is just just YouTube Living Waters. And watch some of those videos. Those are, those are really awesome pastors that break down a lot of tough questions that people have. Even Christians that like these tough questions that were, were, um, that are thrown at us. You know, I get, I used to, get I still, I don't used to, I still get stumbled on questions that people ask me, but by the right guidance of a good pastor, you know, they can guide you towards scripture. And so again, people who don't know the Lord, like, yeah, check those out. Um, keep listening to Zach's podcast, you know, get connected, <laughs> get connected through like other dudes like Zach and, and like me that are, are trying to just share the gospel listen to our stories, listen to the other people's stories and just, um, you know, try it out. You know, like if, if you tried church a while ago, if you tried Jesus a while ago and it, it didn't work out, um, that's not because Jesus didn't work. It's just because your heart was in the right place, man. Uh, Jesus is always going to be there. He's consistent. He's constant. He's, he's always going to be there. And it's just up to us to take that step, um, to turn from, to turn from our way and just admit that like, Hey, we need, we need some help in this life. We need, we need help getting through the days. We need help with what we're going to come, you know, we need help with what's going to come our way in, in the future. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, man, you're, you're going to find joy and peace in that no matter what you're faith, faced with, because I was faced with some really heavy stuff, dude. And I might, I might be faced with like even more stuff heavier than that. I don't know. I don't know what's going to come, but the one thing I do know is that when I, when my back's up against the wall and there's no other options, um, I've got the word of God in my Bible. I've got my faith in Christ that has already numerous times picked me up, pulled me out of that water. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. That's awesome. All good stuff, man. Um, well, again, thank you so much for, uh, coming on here and, uh, getting, uh, vulnerable and just bearing your soul to, uh, the people that will end up listening to this. I really, really appreciate that. And I really hope that someone hears this and, uh, it really affects them in a, in a good way. So thank yeah, you guys. so much for coming on. Yeah, Zach, no, no problem, man. No problem. Much love to you, dude. And like, I really love what you're doing here and, uh, you've had, people come on, share great stories. I know I've been listening to them on the way to work and stuff like that. And uh, just, yeah, I just continue to pray that God works through your podcast, man. And um, that's the yeah, yeah, like if, you know, if anyone out there, like I said, is like, I I pray that you remember this podcast. um, Or if you know someone with a child with special needs going through something tough, or if you have a child with special needs, mess um hit me up you you just if you have instagram just go to healer skate and shoot me a message um or if you want to shoot an email just uh, it's just you know healer skate at gmail.com and uh, i'd I'd love to chat with you like no matter what you're going through like even if you're just like i think my life's over i don't know what to do i'm here for you guys you know whatever you need that's awesome Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate your time and uh, I really enjoyed this time. Thank you. Heck yeah, Zach. Awesome stuff, dude. Enjoyed it too, man. Thanks again for having me on. Yeah, no problem. Have a good one. All right, you too, brother. Later. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's episode of the Second Life Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow on Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Go give the Second Life Podcast Instagram a follow as well. We'll talk to you next week on Monday.